Today, uh, for those of you that are here the Sunday after Easter, your salvation is now secure. Uh, just real quick, tonight at the Nightlife Center, for those that didn't come today, no, this is, um, we're smashing a minivan today at the Nightlife Center. We spray painted it last, last night, we're going to be smashing it, so some of you guys, with Grace Life students, right, but if some of you have some anxiety you want to take out, uh, you're welcome to come and get a smash. It's $11. A no, it's free. But anyway, this is, uh, this is an example of a tool that we will be using. And uh, I bet you some of you aren't even strong enough to lift it. Prove it. Come out tonight. Oh, it's a good hammer. All right. Uh, my name is Joe Davis. I'm one of the pastors here. We're finishing up our series on Jesus and Genesis. This week we're talking about, this is the last one of the series, Power to Serve. Before we do that, I'm excited. Next week, you guys will get to hear from Pastor Daryl. He's here every week faithfully, helping us with a lot of things. He helps me with my sermon prep. He does a lot of stuff for our church. Uh, he's going to be preaching next week, so make sure you come out uh, for that. He's going to be talking about transformation, and it's excellent. He was just telling me what he's got planted. It really sounds cool. The week after that, we start a brand new series on Psalm 119. And the concept behind the new series we're going to start, we're talking about ways to teach you how to actually fall in love with God's Word in a way that transforms the way you read it, that transforms the time you spend in it, how you look at it. I'm very excited about this series on Psalm 119 that we're going to do. Uh, Loving God's Word is the name of it. And uh, it was the reason it means a lot to me is it transformed my life as a young pastor I studied Psalm 119 for two years. So this is a two-year sermon series. No, I'm just kidding. It's only about 10 weeks. But for two years, I studied Psalm 119 in my own personal time with God. And it really transformed my heart and my mind and how I looked at Scripture. And I can't wait to share it with you guys. Okay, but this week, we're finishing up our final series, uh, uh, final sermon in the series of Jesus and Genesis, looking at pictures of Jesus within the stories of Genesis. This week, Power to Serve. I'm going to read this passage to you. It's a, it's a little bit longer. That's why I didn't put it up on the screen. But try to listen to me as I read out loud. Try to just kind of uh, tune in and uh, listen carefully because it's a very important story. Joseph said to his brothers, you guys remember the story, his brothers have come back after bet uh, betraying him and selling him into slavery and leaving him for dead at one point and then all these other things. And, and Joseph really could have squashed them, but he invites them back and forgives them. So that's the concept here, right? And they're, they're in a bad way because they're shepherds and there's a famine in the land where they're from and they can't keep their sheep there anymore because there's no water, there's no grass. So Joseph says to his brothers in his father's house, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and I will say to him, my brothers and my father's house who are in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds for they have been keepers of livestock their whole lives. And they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. And when Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? You shall say your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth even till now, both we and our fathers. Do this in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen. And it says in the last part, for every shepherd was an abomination to the Egyptians. Wait, a minute, let me get this right, Joseph. You're going to put in a good word for us at the Pharaoh, and you're going to tell him we're shepherds from the land of Canaan? Don't they hate shepherds? Joseph says, 
yeah, but just trust me, I got this. So Joseph went and told Pharaoh, my father and my brothers with their flocks and herds and all they possess have come from the land of Canaan, and now they're in the land of Goshen. And from among his brothers, he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds, as our fathers were. And they said to Pharaoh, we have come to sojourn in the land, for there is no pasture, pasture uh, for your servant's flock, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now please, let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your fathers and your brothers in the best part of Egypt. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. And if you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my sheep, of my livestock. This is an amazing story because to really understand it, you have to understand the history behind this passage. First of all, this is a hopeless situation. His family is in a very tough spot. There's a terrible drought, and that's not good for shepherds or farmers. And then you have this little line in there, for every shepherd and his abomination to the, Egypt, to the Egyptians. Let me explain what they're facing here. See, foreign shepherds from the land of Canaan, where these guys were from, and near, nearby Arabia and Phoenicia, these other areas around Egypt, these shepherds were plunderers. They were robbers, and they would come into Egypt, and they would burn cities, and they would set up little rebellious chiefdoms, little rebellious kingdoms of their own. They would kill people, they would destroy things, they would steal, they would destroy the land, and when they were done, they would leave. That's what's going on with Egypt right now. And the Egyptians hate these raiding shepherds, these marauding shepherds, these Viking-like shepherds who come in and destroy and take what they want and then leave when everything is gone. So you can understand why Joseph's family would be very afraid of admitting that they're shepherds from Canaan. Joseph, are you serious? You're going to go to the king and tell him exactly what we are and who we are and where we're from? Joseph says, yeah, I'm going to do that because I got confidence that my relationship with the king can overcome even that. I mean, they were afraid that their family would be hated since they came from the place where these raiding shepherds lived. Can you imagine how they're feeling as they come before Pharaoh? Joseph, we have no other choice but to put our absolute faith and trust in you. And we don't like what it looks like. Knowing how the Egyptians felt about shepherds that come from a region where they're from. And here's what's amazing, right? So they hate shepherds. And he says, admit your shepherds. So what Joseph does is he advocates for them. He's honest about who these people are, his family, and what it is they do. But then he says, but Pharaoh, listen. It's okay. They're with me. They're with me. These guys, these are my family. And yes, they're shepherds from Canaan. Yes, they are the exact people that you hate. From the land that you hate to do all the things that you hate. All the things that you detest. They are them. But Pharaoh, they're with me. And so in this situation, a hopeless situation, family in a tough spot, doing the job and from the place that the Egyptians hate, Joseph advocates for them, and then Pharaoh hires them. In their wildest dreams, they could not have imagined 
this. They said, look, we just brought our flocks in and we know we're from Canaan and it's not good. But can we just settle in this small part of Goshen here and, and just make sure our sheep don't die? <clears throat> and instead, Pharaoh says, I got one better. Joseph, they're with you. Yeah. So they're your family. They're connected to you. Yeah, they're connected to me. Then tell them not only can they come into Goshen, they can go into the best part of Goshen where there's actually still water from the river and the pastures are green. There's a lot of trees and they can bring all their flock there. As a matter of fact, tell them I would like for them to go ahead and take care of my sheep too. What? You're going to let these marauding shepherds from Canaan come in and take care of your sheep for one reason only because they know Joseph. See, Joseph shows honor to the king with honesty he doesn't present them as something they aren't. They aren't seen as trying to deceive. And instead of being cast out or in trouble, these people of Joseph, these family members, these brothers who had betrayed him and sold him into slavery and rejected him, Joseph receives them, and these people are given royal privilege. And everyone knows that these people who are from Canaan and Egypt or outside of Egypt and their shepherds, somehow now are special. Don't know how it happened, but it did. For one reason. They were connected to Joseph. The king gives Joseph family the best of the land and charge over his sheep. I mean, think about this. Pharaoh lets shepherds from Canaan, the place that bad shepherds come from, in, gives them the most fertile lands and puts them in charge of his own sheep. In charge now of Pharaoh's sheep during a famine. It's not like, well, listen, you're in charge of my sheep, and if you mess it up, don't worry, I've got tens of thousands of other sheep. No, this is a very hard time. There's not very many places where sheep can live. And the Pharaoh says, you take care of your sheep, put them in with my sheep, and take care of all of them. I trust you because why? You're connected to Joseph. People that Pharaoh normally would hate are given ridiculous, undeserved favor because of Joseph's work. Because Joseph had proven faithful. Now let's look at the theology of this. There's a lot here, so, so make sure you focus with me, okay? Take one more swig of coffee, you know, do that, just get going, okay? Humble power. I want to talk about this concept. Uh, there's a friend of mine uh, who's a grace lifer. His name is Aaron. And he has this ministry uh, called Power Under that you're going to hear about in just a minute. And it's really kind of transformed the way I look at some things. So here's what happens. Joseph raised up by God to serve. Joseph was not given number two position in Pharaoh's land just so Joseph could be rich. Joseph was raised from certain death into a place of power and authority for the purpose of serving and ministering to others. He was raised to power to rescue his family. Therefore, he was also raised to power to rescue the covenant that God had made with his family. I mean, his family had to be preserved by Egypt so that the promise to Abraham and to what his seed would become for us would not be broken. Otherwise, there'd be no Jesus. There'd be no cross. There'd be no resurrection. There'd be no salvation. There'd be no redemption. There would be no grace life. Do you understand how critical this juncture is? 
if somehow Joseph doesn't convince Pharaoh to let his family live, then there's nothing. In the same way, Jesus is raised up by God to serve. He's raised to power to be our salvation. I'm going to read you a couple of passages in Matthew 20. But Jesus called, called, called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be the servant, and whoever would be first among you must be a slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In Matthew 28, 18 and 19, Jesus came and said to them, All authority, there's power, in heaven and earth has been given to me. So what do you do with this? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so what happens is you have this idea of humble power where God puts you in a position of authority, in a position of influence, in a position, an ability to serve other people and not yourself. And Jesus is the great example of that. Joseph is a great picture. And as you look at this story, before we go on to the theological, here's where I want to break it down for you. Pharaoh is a picture of God. He's not God, of course, but he's a picture of it. Joseph is clearly, you haven't figured it out by now, a picture of Jesus, right? The brothers who betrayed Joseph and rejected him and are now received in him by grace are a picture of us. And the livestock, the sheep, are a picture of God's church. That's what this, this story encapsulates. The thing about this Jesus guy who was raised up to power, when we're helpless, he picks us up. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not even know how to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 1 John chapter 2, 1 and 2. My little children, I love what he says here. I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the king, the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the payment for our sins. And not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. When we're helpless, Jesus is there just like Joseph was for his brothers to pick us up. When we're separated, he brings us close. In spite of who you are, where you're from, what you struggled with. Remember where these guys, they were shepherds from a land where shepherds were raiders and marauders. No matter who you are, where you're from, or what you have done. Remember what Joseph's brothers had done to him. No matter what, Jesus has your back. Ephesians 2, 12 and 13. Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise. Having no hope, you were without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the work and the blood of Christ. You see how he's a picture, Joseph is, of Jesus? And then when we're weary and we're ready to quit, he's just getting started. Hebrews 7, 23 and 24. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. In other words, they were guys who were doing the work of God, but they died because they're humans. But Jesus holds his priesthood permanently 
because he continues forever. Colossians 3.1. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He's there right now, even as we speak, doing what Joseph was doing for his brothers, interceding, advocating for us. Hebrews 7.25. Consequently, he is able to save the uttermost, those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Right now, as we speak, this little picture, this temporary story of Joseph and his brothers and the king and the sheep, it is happening in real time as we speak right now for me as I preach. For you as you listen, maybe even struggle to stay awake. He's advocating for us even as we're right here breathing this air. And when we get weary, he's just getting started. So let me talk about power to serve and how we are raised to be power under. So this is the logo of Power Under Productions, and Aaron does a lot of cool stuff. He, he has this point of praise, this worship thing some of you guys maybe heard about on the beach where they have these bands come. It's fantastic, and they serve other people who are at the beach. They come, and they hear the music and the gospel, and he does a lot of video um, um, projects for people. He's been a big help to me in many respects, and I remember he and I were having this discussion a while ago, a fellow Grace Lifer, and, and he said, let me t- I said, what is power under me? Well, let me tell you what it means. It means when people have power... They don't look at it as being over people. They look at it as they having power under people to serve them and help them, to encourage them, to motivate them. So power under. I said, that's really, I thought about it today. That's exactly what Joseph was. That's what Jesus is. There are a lot of people out there that have power and they have it over. And they're abusive. Right? They use it in a bad way. But Christ and Joseph give us an example of power under people. As Christ uses power to save and transform us, once we are raised up in Christ, we should seek to do the same thing for the benefit of the rest of his sheep that he puts us in charge of. Can you see the similarities with the story? I bet when Joseph's family was given that mercy and that job, do you think they were highly motivated to protect, serve, and to care for the king's flock? Like you think, wow, we were the people that Pharaoh hated. And because of our brother, he has given us the best land and we keep all our flock and we get to take care of his. We're going to do a really good job. I can't believe how much power he gave us. This guy of incredible power has given us the ability to watch after his sheep. Guys, can you recall anyone in your life that was like Joseph? that stood up for you, that helped you when you were in a pinch. I'm going to give you a story about me personally. There's one specific church leader who comes to mind who advocated for me at my old church at Covenant Life Presbyterian Church here in Sarasota. So as you guys have probably figured out, I was the youth pastor there, and as you probably figured out, it was a little bit edgy. It was a little bit expensive. And I remember I would take these budgets and I would present them to the budget team, and they would say, no way. And there's a man named Cliff Seeds. He was in charge of all the money at the church. Loved Cliff. He was the business manager, the budget overseer. I remember he'd help me write the budget out, and I'd say, Cliff, they're not going to like this budget. He goes, 
that's okay. They don't have, they don't have a choice. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He says, well, I said, should I come to the meeting? He said, no, that's the worst thing you can do. <laughs> he would say, I got it. Joe, you and your team, go and help hurting kids. I'll take care of these stupid, ridiculous, silly, annoying elder and business meetings for you. And I remember sometimes some friends that were, you know, deacons or elders would come back and say, well, we were talking about your budget and people were saying stuff. And we just saw Cliff in the back shaking his head. And at the end, anyone else had anything to say? And he said Cliff would get up and he'd give this 20 to 30 minute speech about what the student ministry is doing and, and why it's silly and stupid for us not to fund it. And he would go on and, Joe, he's really got your back. And I would hear about these meetings and I would go up to him the next day in the office. I'd say, Cliff, I heard what you did for me. Thank you. He says, Joe, that's my job. I have some authority when it comes to the money in this church. You just keep reaching out to hurting kids and leave this other stuff to me. His advocacy for me freed me up. See, and you remember Cliff? He was that way, just an incredible servant. His advocacy for me freed me up. And you know what else it did? It motivated me to be the best youth pastor I could possibly be to serve God's flock even more relentlessly. Can you see the difference of how someone advocating for you can make a huge difference in your life? Guys, this is an incredible picture. Jesus advocates for us so we can serve God as advocates and intercessors for those who don't know him. There are people in our town, in our community, who don't know what they think they know something about God, but they really don't know about grace and mercy and the gospel. And God has given us power and ability and authority to come under them and serve them and be advocates to them who do not know Jesus yet. He's also given us the power to be advocates to those who are weak and helpless in so many ways. He's also given us the ability to have power under so that we can help each other as brothers and sisters, just like Joseph helped his brothers and sisters, even in the aftermath of their betrayal. Wow. Do you see how being an advocate for people can be so powerful? This is what Jesus does for us every moment of every day. Even as you struggle with your sinful habits, even as you struggle with inconsistency, even as you struggle with loving people the way you should, even as you act like a marauding, raiding shepherd from Canaan who comes and destroys, you know what Jesus does? It's okay, Heavenly Dad. They're with me. Oh, they are? Okay, give them the best of the land, put them in charge of my sheep. What? Day after day after day, Jesus is there reminding Heavenly Dad of the work He has done on our behalf on the cross. Taking those like us who are separated because of our sin, bringing us into the good graces of the King, just like the brothers that didn't deserve it. Here's what Jesus says to us. I got the part with dad. 
You just keep doing his work. I know that you're struggling over there. I know that you had a slip up here. I know that you're kind of messing up over there. I got that. I understand that. That's why I died, so that that can be forgiven. Now, I want you to be motivated to take care of the king's flock. I'll take care of him. I'll make sure he knows what your real standing is, that you are with me. Even though your life represents all the things that God hates, you are with me. Then we are given, as he advocates, the most important work of the kingdom. The task of taking care of his sheep, just like Joseph's family was. So this is what Jesus does for us every moment of every day. He advocates for us so we can be an advocate for others. So we can be power under them. As the king who says, I have no more concern about the things about you that I didn't like because you are with my son. So therefore, since you're with my son, I know you're going to do a good job. So starting today, I'm going to give you an assignment this week. I want you as a church to start looking for ways to be power under people. Power that serves. I want you to start looking for ways to advocate for some. Because no matter where you are in your walk with Christ, you have been given some certain ability to oversee and to help and to serve some form of God's flock. And I want you to start actively looking. How can I be an advocate for someone today? Start looking for it. Be power under. Because I can tell you right now, there's someone being power under for you. Even as you sit right here. Jesus, thank you so much. You're an advocate. Even though our lives contain many of the things that God rightfully hates, sin, selfishness, faithlessness, without you, we would go before the king and be judged. But for whatever reason, you go to him and say, hey, dad, they're with me. I've got them. And then God, you say, great. Tell them to take care of my sheep. Help us to be advocates for those who are without faith, those who are hurting, and our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.